0: part 16. We finally made it to the end of the book of John. But before we get into that, I want to say thanks so much for being with us today. You could have been anywhere and you chose to be here this morning. And for that, I'm just so grateful. Thanks for being here with us. And if you're joining us online, I want to say hey to you too. Thanks for being with us. It's great to hear the word of God, even if it's over the internet. But if you ever have a chance to be here with us in person... I highly encourage you to do so. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others by helping them know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. Well, you guys might know that tomorrow is Memorial Day. What an awesome time every year we get to honor those who have fought and who have died for our country. So, I want to know is there anybody in the room who has lost a relative or a friend by serving our country? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Wow. So, let's take a moment right now and pray for these families that are represented here and the ones that are represented all over the United States. Lord, we come to you and we. We honor those who have given their lives because even you said, Jesus, that there's no greater honor than to give your life for your brothers and your sisters. So God, we honor them. And and God, we're so thankful that they fought and they they gave their lives for for our nation so that we could live in freedom, so that we could serve you. And Lord, we pray for the families right now because we know that even though they were serving our country, that doesn't make it any easier to lose them. And so we ask that you comfort them because you promised to comfort those who mourn. And God, I ask you to bless them, bless them with provision and bless them with everything they need to go on with life and to make the most of what they have left. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's wrap up this series. For the past 16 weeks, we've dug into the book of John and we've learned about following Jesus because... Learn about following Jesus is the best way that we can what? Know God, right? That's how we know God. I'll show you what I mean in our core scripture. This is the last time we're going to read this. Well, for this series anyway, but for the 16th time, y'all want to recite this by memory. Jesus replied, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does his work through me. So what we learn in this scripture is that God is revealed through Jesus. If we want to know God, then we got to get to know Jesus. And thankfully, there's four books of the Bible dedicated to the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels. It's Matthew, it's Mark, Luke, and John. And through this series, we've been working through the book of John. And what what we found out is that the way of Jesus is different. It's very different. So when you follow Jesus, people are going to think, you are different. But that's okay, because we're all different together here in this room, right? So for the last time, look at somebody next to you and say, I always knew you were different. (laughs) now last last week we looked at scripture after scripture after scripture of jesus telling us that we can ask for anything and he'll do it and it's clear that jesus wants us to get to a place where we can ask and fully trust that we will receive what we ask for he doesn't want us asking and hoping that we'll get us he wants us asking and believing that it's already done and Really, it's quite funny how Jesus explained this to the disciples. Take a look at this scripture. In John 16, 24, he tells the disciples, "'Until now you've asked nothing in my name.'" And I'm pretty sure Jesus would say the same thing to us today. He would look at our small, pitiful version of asking, and he would say, "'You think that you're asking for something big, "'but you're really not asking for anything at all.'" But really, (laughs) so here's what he wants you to do. "'Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full.'" And you know, the day after I preached this message, so this past Monday, um, I was reading the last chapter in this book that I've read now three times. It's called Vessels of Fire and Glory by Mario Murillo, one of the best books that I've ever read. It's incredible. But in the last chapter, Mario is talking about how to usher in the next great awakening. And he refers back to something Smith Wigglesworth said in Los Angeles back on August 11th, 1929. Have you guys heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? He was quite the guy, but in his message, Wigglesworth gave a solemn warning about the last days, and what he said is that half of the body of Christ will not be ready when they show up but he didn't just leave it at that. He's like, here's how we get ready. And here's exactly what he said. He said, surely you people that have been asking for great things from God for a long time would be amazed if you just had clear knowledge that it's Jesus who has such knowledge of the mightiness of the power of the father and of the joint union with him that nothing is impossible for you to ask. Surely it's only Jesus who could say until now you have asked nothing So God means me to press you another step forward. Begin to believe on extravagant asking, believing that God is pleased when you ask large things. And in the book, Mario Murillo goes on to explain how this message from 1929 applies to us today in 2021. And Mario says that we have entered a time of extravagant asking. It's time to ask God for the impossible and the unimaginable. These askers are coming (laughs) These are the greater works that Jesus declared. What if the best churches haven't been planted yet? What if the greatest sermons have yet to be preached? What if the best inventions, books, songs, and miracles are yet to come? I wouldn't doubt it. God always saves the best for last. And that's how he ends the book. So what are you going to ask God for in this season of your life? Because the first thing that comes to mind is not big enough. It's not big enough. God's not impressed with our false sense of humility and small asking. It's actually quite frustrating to him. So he's looking for extravagant askers. Are you going to be one of them? Are you going to be one of them? So we're actually going to take a minute right now to think, what is the most extravagant thing you can think to ask God for right now? And then I'm going to give you a minute to share it with somebody sitting next to you. But before we do that, I figured I'd go first, because I don't want to be one of those people to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So I'll start. For several years now, there's been something inside of me that's wanted at least 200 acres of land. Beth and I both want horses and cattle. We actually want to learn how to farm so that we can provide food for our family and our community. I know you probably never pictured me as a farmer, but hey, here I am. Well, there is right now 295 acres for sale in the perfect location. I love where it's at. It's located in the right place. It has this dense wooded area, which I love. You guys know that about me. I love to hike. It has the woods. It has the open land that we need for the cattle to roam. It has everything that I've envisioned with this land, but it's also listed for just over $1 million. So that's what I'm asking God for. And I'm not asking him for a loan either. I'm asking him for the provision to possess the land. So now it's your turn. And uh, this might make you a bit uncomfortable because we're all used to asking small things or maybe nothing at all. And if we are going to ask God for something big, we sure don't share it with people lest they think that we're crazy, right? But it's okay because we already knew you were different, okay? Okay. So I'm going to give you all one minute right now. Just think, what is the most extravagant thing you can think to ask God for and then share it with somebody sitting next to you?
1: <laughs>
0: Y'all are having a good time. a good time. Can I get one brave soul to come and share what you said? All right, Candace, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> i so okay. Hey,
2: John and Linda. Oh, I'm already crying. Uh, Ten years ago, as I was <laughs> driving to work at a bank, going to Rama. I heard the Lord say to me as I saw a plane For I fly across Tulsa, you are a pilot, you have a plane, you will use it for your ministry.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> okay.
2: And then last summer, I got my pilot's license and then as I was driving to church this morning, I saw a Learjet flying into Tulsa and I heard the Lord say, that, that, that's your plane that's the one you're flying. So I'm not asking God for a plane because I already have it. But I am asking for him. I want to build houses in Mexico really badly. So I'm asking him right now to fund every single house I want to build in Mexico for as long as that's my ministry. And those houses are anywhere between 10000 to 16000 a job. So right now, I'm asking God that every single house be provided for right now in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. We agree with you. Amen. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're not in a hurry. So is there somebody else who just feels like they need to share it with, with the crew today? All right, Talon, come on up. And dear, can you bring me my water, please? Or send one of the kiddos up here with it. So mine is very similar. I just was, uh, I have a dream to have a private jet and to have a pilot that uh, flies me around wherever God takes me and uh, with my family, and so that we can minister the gospel wherever and whenever and not be, you know, have to fly through the airlines with all these rules and not be stuck in one place, but to be able to go wherever. Awesome. That's cool. Now, is this going to turn out to be uh, Candace as your pilot? Talon, is that how this is going to play out? <laughs> there you go. All right, come on.
1: <laughs> i got the whole row telling me to get up here. I'm agreeing with Cade and Beth that they get that 290 acres because we're going to go live on it for free. <laughs> Gene and I are going to be debt-free, living on cage property. I may mow it every now and then. Not all 290 acres, but I'll mow some of them. Sandy can move on it too, but she's going to have to be at least 10 acres away from us. Come on, right? Gene and I want to be debt-free, and we want to be able to fly wherever we want to without having a mask on without having to be vaccinated. Because we're not getting vaccinated and we don't want to wear a mask. If you want to, you go right ahead and fly with one on because we're not going to. God's going to make it to where we can go back to the Philippines. Without having to be vaccinated, without having to be concerned about it, we're going to go back where we belong because that's where we belong. We're going to be able to spend six months at a time. Kerry's going to send me money because he's going to have so much. (laughs) He's going to send me money. You're going to send me money so I don't have to, I won't need anything over there because you're sending it to me. I'm living on cage property, you're sending me money. And I don't think that's too extravagant. Can I get an amen? Amen.
0: <laughs> amen. Candace, are you ready to drive or fly to the Philippines? There go. I can, I can I wow. All right, y'all, we haven't even started this message yet. (laughs) Hey, Paul, will you turn my mic down just a hair? I can hear it feeding back a little bit. So let's get going. So we're now at the point in the book of John where Jesus is about to get arrested. That's where we left off last time. And this is the kickoff, right, to the Easter message that we hear every year of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the very reason Jesus came to earth, right, to offer himself as a holy sacrifice so that we could be saved. And I was preparing this message. I was asking the Lord, I'm like, what do you want to show us As we go over this story again, because the last thing that I want to do is for us to like fall asleep at the fact that we've heard this story over and over and over again. But I want him to breathe like fresh life into this story today or this message today. And he gave me two things that he wants me to share with you. And it's two things that you may have never seen or never thought of in the resurrection story. It all starts when Jesus was with his disciples and they were in one of the places that they went to get away from the crowd. Aren't you glad they had those places to go? I'm, that gives me some hope, right? Sometimes I just got to get away. And then Judas leads a group of the Roman soldiers and the temple guards and with blazing torches, and they have weapons, and, and they come in, and it sounds frightening, right? And then here's how Jesus responds to this frightening situation. He fully realized what was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He said, And I love this. Like, they showed up with the best intimidation tactic that they could think of. And Jesus wasn't in his tent fretting about what was going to go on. He he didn't run off. No, he stepped forward to greet him. Hey, guys, what are you doing here? And they said, we're looking for Jesus. And do you know where he is? And Jesus simply said, I am he. And what happened next is even better. (laughs) As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. This is great. I mean, they fell out in the spirit, right? So if you've ever wondered, if you've ever been to one of those wild church services where people fallen on the ground and wondered if it was real, well, (laughs) there you go. It happens. But after they got back up, Jesus willingly gave himself up to be arrested. And what you need to remember from this is that Jesus willingly gave himself up. He willingly did it. He didn't run. He didn't hide. He said, here I am. Go ahead. Arrest me. Jesus was arrested, and he was taken not to jail, but he was taken before the religious leaders to be questioned. And they did not like his straightforward responses to their questions. So they beat him, they slapped him across the face, they bound him, they tied him up, and they sent him to the Roman governor, and his name was Pilate. And surprisingly, Pilate did everything he could to release Jesus because he could find nothing wrong with Jesus. And they even had a custom back then that they would release one Jewish prisoner every Passover. And it was Passover time. So he's like, can I release Jesus to you? And they said, no, not Jesus. We want Barabbas." So what happened here is instead of releasing an innocent man, they chose to release a thief. And I could go down a rabbit trail on that. One point, but I'm not going to. I'm going to reserve myself. (laughs) But even after all this, Pilate still didn't want to kill Jesus. So he tried one more time to get out of it. Take a look. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again, and he asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Pilate worked so hard to release Jesus. He truly thought that he had the power to stop what Jesus had already started. But take a look at Jesus' response. He said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Remember how Jesus willingly gave himself up to be arrested, right? And now he's letting the governor know, you have no power over me. This is my call. This is what I've decided to do. And you're not gonna stop what I've decided to do. And if we go back a few chapters to John chapter 10, we get further clarification of what's going on here. And Jesus said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. So let me ask you, who decided when Jesus was to be arrested, beaten, and killed? Was it the religious leaders? Was it the Roman soldiers? Was it the governor? Was it Judas? No, it was Jesus. He decided when it was time. This is the first thing the Lord wants you to know today. Jesus decided when to lay down his life. And do you know why this truth is so important? Well, for two reasons. First, this shows you that Jesus willingly sacrificed his life to save yours. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. He wanted to make a way for you to be reconciled with God and receive eternal life. And then the second reason this is important is because the same goes for you. God has given you authority over your own life. The only one who can decide when to lay it down is you. And I understand what I just said comes with a lot of opposing thoughts, right? But we think of all the people who have died who shouldn't have. Maybe they died in a car accident or as a child or whatever the case may be. And I have one of these situations in my own life. It was just a few years ago at age 50, my father-in-law passed away. He was healthy. He was a God fearing man. And then all of a sudden, he got sick, and a few months later, he was gone. And when he was in the hospital, my wife had a conversation with him. She knew that day, she got a word from God that he could be miraculously healed and walk out of that hospital. So she went to him and she asked him, Is that what you want? And surprisingly, he said, No, that's not what he wanted. So my father-in-law made the decision to lay down his life. And who can blame him for wanting to go be with his heavenly father instead of wanting to stay here with us? It was hard on us, but he's having the time of his life. There's lots of people who die prematurely, and sometimes it's by choice, but I think most of the time it's because they don't know that God gave them authority over their own life. So the enemy comes in, he takes advantage of the situation, and he kills, and he steals, and he destroys because they don't know. Remember, Jesus decided when to lay down his life. And he wants you to know that you can decide when it's time to lay down your your life. You don't have to die prematurely. God wants to satisfy you with long life. And when you understand this truth, you live your life differently. You're thinking, why is this so important? Because when you understand it, you live differently. Fear no longer controls you. Sickness no longer scares you. Death is no longer a big deal because you live with confidence and you know I get to decide when it's time for me to go. So when you get sick, you just kind of laugh because you know this isn't going to take you out. And when you get in the car every day, you go, in, you go down the road with peace, even down crazy 169 when everybody's going 90 miles an hour. And you're like, I ain't going to die in a car accident because it's not my time. I'm not laying down my life here on Highway 169. just ain't going to happen. And some people would think that this is blasphemy to use the authority that God gave us over our own life. But it actually honors God when we use our God-given authority. He needs us to be courageous so that when he asks us to go into a dangerous situation, we go in boldly and we don't fear because we know that no one can kill us until we decide it's time to lay down our lives. Jesus said it really well in John 12, 25. He said, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So, Jesus is saying that if you try to preserve this life, if you try to stay safe, you're going to lose it anyway. You're going to lose it anyway, and that's why you need to know your authority, so you don't waste time trying to preserve your life here on earth. Instead, you pursue your God-given assignment with boldness and with courage and nothing holding you back. You don't hide out at home. You don't play it safe. You simply do what God's called you to do. A question that often comes up in this discussion is, well, what about the martyrs? What about the people who die because of their faith? Well, honestly, I think most of them know that it was their assignment. That was their assignment. So it looks like they're being killed, but what's really happening is they're willingly laying down their life. They decided when it was time. And the Apostle Paul in the Bible is the best example of this. I can hear some of y'all thinking in the room, Cade, give me some proof. Apostle Paul, he encountered many things that should have killed that guy. I mean, one time he was shipwrecked. For 14 days, lost at sea. How did he survive that? Would you survive it? No, you probably would have drowned yourself, right? I can't make it. (laughs) Another time, he was bitten by a poisonous snake. Just shook that sucker off and kept going. There's a time when people threw a bunch of big rocks at Paul. They call that being stoned. Left him for dead. He should have been dead. But he didn't die. Because he hadn't decided yet to lay down his life. Paul went through a lot. And then his time finally came where he was ready to lay down his own life. And here's how he explained it. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight, and I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He was ready. So when we understand that we get to decide when to lay down our lives, we no longer fear persecution. We don't fear speaking out against the corruption in our schools, right, Amy? We don't fear exposing woke spirituality for the deception that it is because we're not scared of the people who are threatening us because we reveal their evil schemes. We don't fear people who threaten us because we know they have no authority over our lives unless we give them the authority that God gave us over our own life. It's not that we want to die. We just know we're not going to die until it's time and we're ready to lay down our lives. So whether you're an old geezer or a young martyr, right, you get to decide. And you'll know when it's time and you'll be at peace. You'll be at peace with it. So soon as Jesus started his earthly ministry, there were people out to kill him. They tried to stone him. They tried to run him off a cliff. But they never could kill him because only Jesus could decide when it was time to lay down his life. And when it was time, Jesus willingly laid down his life for you. He suffered through one of the most gruesome, awful deaths so that you could be healed, so that you could be saved, and so that you could be freed from sin. And he didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. And he had you on his mind, and that's what motivated him to endure the suffering that he went through. He wanted all your sins to be forgiven once and for all. He wanted to save you from eternal death. So that's what Jesus did. He was crucified on a cross, but it didn't end there, right? On the third day, he rose from the dead. Thank God. And after he rose from the dead, Jesus had a few meetings with the disciples before ascending into heaven, and that's where we discover the next thing that the Lord wants me to show you today. So let's take a look at the account of this first meeting. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And so clearly, they didn't yet understand what we just talked about, right? They were afraid, but who can blame them because they just watched their leader be crucified several days before. Thankfully, though, the locked doors don't keep Jesus out. Aren't thankful for that? He comes on in anyway. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. So what's the first thing Jesus says to the disciples after the resurrection? Peace be with you. Because he walks in and he sees his disciples afraid and he's like, yo, we ain't going to live like this. So he issued a command and he said, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I am sending you. So once again, Jesus commands his peace on the disciples in case they didn't get it the first time. But this time he gives them a reason. Why do we need this peace? Because they're being sent out. He's going to send them out. And the book of Mark gives us detail on what Jesus is sending them out to do. It says, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's a big assignment. We sure are going to need some peace (laughs) to walk in that assignment. And the main reason we need that peace is because there's going to be plenty of people who don't like you doing these things. But this is the peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, we don't understand why we have peace when we're casting out demons, but we do. We don't understand why we have peace when we're being persecuted, but we do. We do. So, this is the second thing the Lord wanted me to show you today peace be with you. Peace. Many of the things that we've talked about over the past 16 weeks are challenging. Our incorrect beliefs have been challenged, our wrong thinking has been challenged, and it's not easy to embrace something different, is it? But Jesus doesn't want us troubled by these things. He wants us to have peace that surpasses all understanding. In the midst of a world that's afraid of a virus, in a culture that gets upset about everything, he wants us to have peace be with you, peace be with you. In the days to come, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into things that are going to challenge you. This series was just the start, like it was a warm-up. You'll be uncomfortable. Other people will fuss at you for what God's calling you to do. You may even confront fear for your own life or fear for your family. But when you know the truth, the truth sets you free, doesn't it? You get to decide when it's time to lay down your life. That's the truth that'll set you free. But until then, you live bold and you live strong because there's no person, there's no sickness. There is nothing that can take you out until you decide when it's time to lay down your life. Until then, you live out your God-given assignment with boldness and courage. So peace be with you. In the words of Jesus, he says, "'Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, "'not as the world gives do I give to you. "'Let not your heart be troubled, "'neither let it be afraid.'" And remember how we just read that the disciples were behind locked doors because they were afraid? That's where the American church has been for a long time now. (laughs) Afraid of the government, afraid to confront the works of the devil. We've been locked up in our nice buildings (laughs) because we're afraid to go into all the world, especially the dark places of the world, with the gospel. But we're supposed to preach the gospel to every single person, no no matter how scary they are. You know, the disciples went on to do some truly amazing things in the book of Acts. I think that's where we're going to head next. But they came out of their locked room. They turned the world upside down for the good news of Jesus Christ. But what, what gave them the boldness to step out? What's going to give the American church the boldness to step out and come out of this locked door? Take a look. Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them power to come out of that locked room. It was what Jesus had promised them. And Jesus even said that it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit than it is to have Him here with us in the flesh. It's better for us to have the Holy Spirit. And you've probably thought to yourself, I wish I could have seen Jesus work these miracles. It would help me to believe. But you have something much better. He gave you the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, let's let one of the disciples explain it to us. In Acts two thirty-eight, Peter says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repentance comes first. You turn away from sin and you turn towards God. That's what repentance is. And then you call upon Jesus Christ to completely forgive you of all your sin. He washes you clean and he sets you free from the power of sin. So I'd like to ask everybody to just bow your head right now in reverence of this moment. Jesus is making an invitation to everybody who's listening right now, those in this room and those listening online. He's making an invitation to you to repent and to turn towards him. Repentance and salvation comes first. So if you've decided today to turn away from your sin and call upon the name of Jesus, would you just raise your hand to let me know? Nobody's looking around but me. If that's you, just hold your hand up for a second so I can see it. So for all those who are ready to make that decision, maybe you're watching online, listening online right now, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. All you got to say is, Jesus, I repent. I was headed the wrong direction, but now I'm headed your direction. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for washing me clean. I thank you that you've given me new life. So now is there anybody who's tired of living in a locked room? You've received salvation, but you've been hiding and you've been afraid. And you're tired of it. You're done with it. You're ready to receive power from the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do without fear. If that's you, I want you to just go ahead and stand up right now. If there's anybody in here who wants to receive the Holy Spirit, don't let another Sunday go by. Today's the day to receive the Holy Spirit. Just go ahead and stand up if that's you. Lord, over everybody in this room, I ask you to release a fresh, a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to get emptied. Maybe we received that power and then didn't do anything with it. Well, I'm reactivating that power today on the inside of every person in this room to go forth and do what you've called them to do without fear. They're not going to fear their life. They're not going to fear those who are threatening them. No fear at all. They just go through their life into their assignment, into their God-given assignment with courage and with boldness because that's what you need us to do in this season. And if you're dedicating your life to your God-given assignment, and you're saying, I'm going to go into my assignment with boldness, I want you to just tell the Lord right now in your own way that you're dedicating your life to that. God, I want to follow you. I want to walk out your plan for my life. I don't want to hesitate because I'm afraid or because I don't think I know what I'm doing or, or anything like that, but I want to step forward and take steps with you with courage and with boldness and do what you've called me to do. And I thank you that I have wisdom along the way, that I have peace along the way, that I have healing along the way, that I have provision along the way. Lord, I'm done trying to make up my own plan on how to serve you. I don't wanna do anything unless you've asked me to do it. Your way is better. Your thoughts are higher. So Lord, as a church, we humble ourselves before you today and we elevate you as our King, as our Lord. We're not going to make up our own plans and ask you to bless them. (laughs) We're going to walk in the blessing of following your plan. God, you are so faithful. You are so loving. You are so patient. we honor you today and we glorify you and we give you the honor and you the glory for everything that's going to happen through this church. I thank you for what you're going to do through Candace. And that as crazy as this dream seems, that it's not even crazy enough. That your plans are beyond what we could ask or think, like what she's thinking she thinks it's extravagant, but it's not even the fullness of what you have for her. But God, I thank you that as she took that first step today, that through her obedience, amazing things are going to happen. And we get to see that testimony. How cool. Lord, stir up inside of us the desire for extravagant asking. And I ask that you rip out of us that false sense of humility and small asking. If you just give me this, if you just give me that, God, rip that out of us. Take that away from us. We don't want that anymore. You're not impressed with that, and we're not either. But we ask you to do great things. We ask for your power to work through us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. And we submit ourselves to your truth, to your word. And I thank you for what you've revealed to us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, if you received Jesus today and you're in the room here or you're watching online, we'd like for you to tell us so that we can walk that journey out with you. We set up an easy way for you to tell us. You simply text us anything at 918-373-9883. And we will get back in touch with you and walk with you through that journey. Now, one of the local ministries we support every month here at No Limits is a prison ministry called Don't Look Back. They go into the prisons every week with the Word of God, and they also have a transition house in Claremore for men who are coming out of prison to get back on their feet. And last year, everything was kind of put on hold because of COVID. Um, They weren't allowed to go into the prisons at all, but everything has turned around. And I want to read you the latest update that I got from Chris Rose, which is the leader there. And he says... He says, I'm getting to go into the prisons on Mondays as assistant chaplain. I get to roam the facility freely, and he's never been able to do that before. So that's really cool. Tuesday nights, we're doing Christianity 101 and discipleship 201 at the prison. Wednesday nights, we're doing 301 with some guys at the house. We're getting the opportunity to speak at several different locations. God has opened some new doors for us. We got two guys coming in this week into the house. The jail won't let us back in yet, but we're looking into getting into the ladies' prison and into another men's prison. And all this is due to those of you who have believed in us and those of you who have supported us. And so he wants to say thank you because you've been a part of that through your giving. It's so awesome. Yep. Yep. So if you want to give today and you're given by cash or check, just raise your hands and one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope, or you can give online anytime. And how you do that is you visit nolimits.fyi in the address bar, and then you tap the giving button. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.